I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome into the Seminole Softball Rap Podcast. Uh, new name suggestion this week, Glenn. This one comes from a great listener, Jim Rhodes, who says the Need to Knoll Softball Podcast. Thoughts? I like it. He li- she likes it. Okay, well, we got to see. I mean, Perry put about four minutes of effort into our, our logo and our graphic for Seminole Softball Podcast. We have so many listeners. We're up to a couple, uh, you know, over 1,200 episodes, maybe closer to 15. You guys are you're tuning in, so I don't know if we can make the switch on branding yet, but, uh, you know, I like it. It is a good name. So if you hear anyone steal it, Need to Know Softball, that's us. They're, they're stealing that from us. Currently, it's it's part of our trademark package. That's a lie. But regardless, <laughs> we had a fun week, two weeks of softball here. I think we got plenty to talk about. Yeah. I mean, after this weekend, the, the team, fans, riding high as, as humanly possible. Yeah, I think the weekend before was pretty much exactly what we expected. And uh, man, this weekend was something. I will get, I, I want to jump straight there, but I, but I know that we shouldn't. So I won't. We'll, I'll make you wait and listen to it. Um, but I mean, I, they did a lot of good things the weekend before against Georgia Tech. Uh, a couple of things I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which you, I mean, you know that already. You've done this long enough with me, but I, a couple of things I don't think I've seen them do so far. Um, game one, they jump ahead early against this Georgia Tech sweep, 6-4 win there. They jump ahead early, home runs from Kerr and Leonard. Uh, but a couple of errors, and they give the lead back, right? They go down 4-2, but but they answer. Fifth and sixth, you get Harding homer, uh, Mudge doubles in to kind of seal that game. Um, you You kind of see them give it away, but then take it back, which I think is something that they haven't done yet this year. Um, which yeah, was great. It's, yeah, it's something like with Georgia Tech, I noticed a little bit of, with Clemson this weekend, like we committed a fair amount of errors. Like we obviously aren't the defensive team that we were last year, but 
you know, when, like what I've seen the last two weekends, it's like, we commit these errors and we don't let it get the best of us. Like, you know, some teams you see them commit one or two errors and it just like completely crumbles them for the entire game. But, you know, with Florida State, I mean, I think Florida State is one of the most clutch teams in the country, like truly not being biased. I think that's true. Um, And you, you see that with these errors, like you have, I think, three errors against Clemson in one of the games and we still win. We still sweep Clemson. So it's like how this this team knows, like once they make an error, like they can come back from it. Yeah, it, it's funny you said that because it seems like the depth is what ends up being, I think, the difference in that. You you have the top end stars, but you know that if you need to reach for one more person, it seems like they've got it. Uh, and this one, I mean, McKenna Reed, who continues to be outstanding, gave you the last six outs. It just seems like you know you could put someone in the circle who could just get you six outs if you need them and, and throw up two zeros after you have those errors is huge. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, game two, uh, dominant, 8-0. And I'm going to – I call this one the Michaela Edenfield game. I remember early in the year, we one of our – I think it might have been our first episode or second episode, we had comments littered through like, man, Michaela Edenfield, I don't know what's going on. She doesn't seem to have it. Uh, she's She's been great the last two weeks. Three and three – three, four, three in this game – Six RBIs, had a grand slam. Uh, Allie and Allison combined for a one-hit shutout. Just dominant. And it seems like they they put together a, an effort we kind of expect out of them a lot of times. Yeah, I think, like, Allison and Michaela especially, like, this is the time that you want them to, like, really start getting in a groove. And, like, that's exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, they both had great performances at Georgia Tech and Clemson as well. And, I mean, you know, late – middle ACC going into postseason it's kind of like where you want to start beginning that rise and like that peak um and that's exactly what they're doing yeah it's a perfect time for it and the thing that I like too as I'm rattling through these things is different names it's it's different yeah. names in each game and you know to, to roll the game, game three here nine one six innings uh uh run roll there again it's the top of the order you had Kaylee Mudge and Devin Flaherty combined for six runs Max, the only name I'm going to say twice, she gave you four RBIs, but she had four pitchers combined to allow only two hits and in, in one run. Uh, Kat and McKenna combined for the final eight outs. It just seems like they can consistently beat you in a variety of ways, which I might be back to what we talked about at the very beginning, allows them to play through the errors. They can always find a way to win. Yeah, and that last game against Georgia Tech, um, we saw Emma Wilson pitch. I don't think we've seen her pitch in like probably a month or so. Um, you know, and she she has her moments where she gets hit up a bunch and, you know, she gets runs scored on her and everything. And I think, you know, she was only out there for, uh, she's out there for one in a one inning. Like, I, I think that's great. I mean, I, I, she has a limited, limited sample size, but like for a player like Emma Wilson, like you want her to go out and dominate for however long she's out there. And she did that. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad with what she did on Georgia tech. And your dominance gives you a chance to to do that, to get players' yeah. experience, keep them in-game action in some way, get them, hey, this is an ACC series. Get out here and give us an inning and a third. Give us two yeah. in, you know, go go get, get that uh, skin in the game and did it well, you know, and I think that's a, a great job by the rest of the team giving, giving Coach that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, all right, now to the main course. Clemson this weekend. I mean, good Lord, what a weekend series this one was, right? Um, I'm just- so you, you get a doubleheader on Thursday, right? Thursday was when they did yep. this one. We're recording on Sunday nights, Easter, you know, Super Bowl week. Yeah. 
Also, our producer Perry, he's, he does Greek Orthodox, so it's not Easter. Perry, I see you. I recognize your Greek Easter next. <laughs> Bringing it back to Clemson, so they go with the rain up there in uh, along the East Coast, pushes this one to a double header. Game one, uh, McKenna gets the start. Mm-hmm. Allie takes the middle inning in two thirds. Cat gets a seven out save, and, and the offense really just takes advantage of Clemson giving you mistakes I mean I don't know if I've got more than that you just played your game yeah I mean I I tweeted this during the game but like having McKenna start in that up fast spinny pitch and then go going straight to Allie where it's like you take a good amount of mileage per hour off um and she just spins it like super slow like that's that's completely unfair but like (laughs) almost amazing at the same time um and obviously brilliant move from coach in that regard I mean and then cat hard down I mean you have three great pitchers that are just going to keep Clemson off their game the entire time while they're already making defensive mistakes yeah it's it seemed like this was the game plan that if they get the chance this is what they want to put on the field yeah you know play play a very solid offensive game just basically take what they give you as best you can obviously you know this is a number four team in the country they're not going to give you anything um easy like you know you have to put the ball in play to, to force those errors uh Michaela again she went two for three five RBIs a, a great performance from her but I mean talk, talking about what you said the pitching staff that's that's what you want to put out there and like you talked about the the change in what you see from pitcher to pitcher to pitcher you don't really get a chance to get a read on anybody you go you go two hits against the number four team in the country yeah and I think with teams like Clemson you know I'm looking at the box scores right now and the first three batters in the lineup, Kaylee, Devin, and Kaylee on the first day. Um, they each had four bats. And while only one of them got a hit and one of them got a run, like you want the top of the order to come up as much as possible. And whether they produce or not, I mean it is what it is. But I mean the middle of the the middle of the lineup and towards the bottom like gave the top that opportunity to come up if they needed to be clutched. But I mean from the first game obviously the middle to bottom of the lineup produced the most. Yeah, especially that Haley, Janai, and Michaela. Uh, quick math in my head here. Eight, three for eight from the at the plate. They scored five of your runs. They drove in six of them. Uh, you know, you're, let me check the box score. Five, six, seven hitters there that really bring it. You know, I, yeah, I, and I, I I also tweeted this, um, but that first game, Michaela Edenfield was the first person all season to homer off of Valerie Cagle. Um, and it, it just bust the floodgates wide open with that. I mean, it was like absolutely clutch. Like we were already in the lead at that point, but I mean, just absolutely clutch hitting. Yeah. Well, you put them away. You got a chance to put yeah. them away at that point. You know, if you're playing in a, in a close game there, that's um, what was it for nothing? I mean, you know, it's softball. It's not, it's not out of the question for, for four, nothing to turn around. Um, she hits the home run and then it's, it's totally different story. It's seven, nothing at that point. You're, you're pretty much finished. Um, which was perfect because you, you absolutely dominate that game. And then because we talked about the double header, you have to turn around the next game if you're Clemson and really come out and get it, Mm -hmm. um, and, and risk losing the series. And you kind of felt like they, you needed to kind of jump on them early and you did. Right. You went out three nothing early. And from there, Kat, uh, was spectacular. I mean, she gave up five hits, complete game. I don't think she allowed more than one base runner the whole uh, more than one base runner an inning in the whole game. I think, you know, they had the home run, but I think every other inning was a single or a double, but that was it. Never a walk to go with a single, you know, never multiple runners on base. Um, I don't know what do you got there. I, I thought they jumped out early like they needed to. 
Yeah, I think that. And the second game, it was Millie Thompson starting, who isn't really up. Like she is like 1A and 1B with Valerie Cagle, but she's not Valerie Cagle, right? Um, And Millie is just like the complete opposite of what Valerie Cagle is. She's kind of like Kat. She's hard down. um, And just taking Millie out of the conversation as early as possible was great because you have two pitchers behind uh, Cagle and Thompson who are good, but they're not Millie and Valerie. Um, And you saw both of them, which was honestly perfect. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, you jump out early you take this win it it's huge you know it's a it's a top five it was a first top five series win on the road in program history uh and you kind of felt Clemson uh I don't want to say take a hit there but you know that you could feel the emotion of what they really you know you lose in two games in one day at 11 to 1 on your home field that hurts yeah and I think just throughout this entire series like the first third of their Clemson starting lineup like didn't do anything like obviously they didn't do anything the entire series but um like Maddie Moore I don't think she had a single hit in the series and like she's batting first or second the entire time I mean Mackenzie Clark got on here and there and she did what she had to do but I mean players like Maddie Moore and I think we walked Valerie Cagle on purpose a couple times or you know whatever but I mean just limiting the top of the order for Clemson was absolutely clutch yeah, you took the bat uh, out of Valerie Cagle's hands as much as you could. She was the one who got to you, uh, yeah. really, on that uh, second game of the doubleheader. She hit the home run. But, you know, it, it's recognizing who the best player is and making someone else beat you. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, all the things we kind of talked about, I think, all kind of lead into this game three against Clemson. Uh, the first game against Georgia Tech, we talked about overcoming errors, right? And, and uh, in this one, you could kind of see – Man, I mean, well, I'll get to it in a second, but you could see the errors early on. You give up the lead twice, right? You give up the lead once in an error. You tie the game up. You give the lead back again, but you still battle back to win it. And especially with the base running, which is just another way this team finds ways to win, ways to win. Uh, Sack fly obviously ties the game up there in the fifth. Uh, I don't even know what to call this one. The scorebook calls it the steal of home, but it's the fielder's choice out at the plate uh Muffley paying attention rounding third never really giving up on the play kind of staying off the bag kind of down the line sees the catcher wander away from the plate a little bit and just gone uh beats the throw back and she's in and that's that's the game you go up three two at that point and you find another way to 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 win by just playing smarter than your opponent yeah I think this particular game was like it came down to the base running like yeah there were errors whatever but like I think the base running for each side is like what cost Clemson and what got it for us. Like you saw, you know, Josie Muffley with that steal of home, like absolutely ridiculous on that. Um, And then you see Mackenzie Clark make like the biggest error possible and trying to take second base when Kaylee Mudge fumbled in the outfield and it literally cost them the game. You know, Valerie Cagle doesn't come to the plate. Like Clemson doesn't have a chance. Um, So I think game three was a tail of base running in my opinion. Yeah, what you're talking about there, seventh inning, Clemson down one. They get the single, the the bum, bumbled ball. What is the word I'm looking for? Fumbled Bumble. ball. Fumbled ball out in left field. And, uh, you know, they they had the chance to bring Valerie up to the plate, their best hitter at that moment, uh, and just trying to do too much. Trying to do too much seemed to be the story for Clemson in this game. Going for trying to make a single into a double, and she gets thrown out. And at that point, you're taking the bat out of Valerie's hands. 
But if you're at first, you're also taking the bat. If you're at second, you're probably taking the bat out of her hands anyway. Because yeah, I, you're probably going to walk her. Yeah, to, to give Mackenzie Clark credit um, and probably what she was thinking was, hey, Florida State's, A, Florida State's made a couple errors already. Um, so that kind of gives me an advantage. And B, like you see Mudge fumble in the outfield and you also have a new second baseman and Avery Weisbrook, who's a freshman. So it's like, yeah, if I'm Mackenzie Clark, I want to test what Kaylee and Avery can do. But I mean, it just came up wrong way for her. Yeah, but I think knowing the situation, you've got to recognize just yeah. I'm here to just get on in front of Valerie and whatever happens, let just stand on first base and see if she can hit one out, basically. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's kind of a tough spot to uh, to try there. The other thing on this one, uh, I don't know if it was Clemson's head coach got run there. Uh, I, I the felt pitching coach, yeah. pitching coach. Yeah, you could feel the energy. They were just um, it felt like the crowd, the the team, the coaching staff was just. I don't know. It felt like that that sweep on Thursday kind of had them all a little a little out of their game, a little bit pressing. And I think that also plays into running there. Yeah, I, I agree. I've heard some things about Clemson post game on Thursday that obviously they weren't happy about. But I mean, is what it is. But yeah, I, I think Clemson had their back up against the wall more than they thought. Like if they probably came into the series as a whole thinking, oh, it's going to be a dogfight. But I don't think they really expected to end Thursday, like going home and not having an answer for anything. Yeah, I it's one of those like Thursday was so dominating. By the time you come into Friday, you you feel like I have to make something happen. Whereas yeah. There's just not that, you know, if they play their game, maybe they do end up winning this one with the errors that came across, but probably trying to do a little too much. Uh, the other thing I'd bring up from this game, man, that pitching, fantastic again. You go Allison to start, McKenna Bridges this time, Cat closes. Um, I think we're just really starting to see the depth of this team come together, especially on this pitching staff, because that is, you know, twice they went to it this weekend and, and twice the, the three of them really worked well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, not many teams have seven pitchers on staff, but like, I mean, the depth is something we've never had before. And like you said, like it just worked to our advantage perfectly. Like Valerie Cagle started two out of the three games. I think she played both games, um, the entire seven innings. Um, and yeah, I mean, Valerie Cagle, all the credit in the world to her. I think she's an amazing player, but I don't know, riding your your one pitcher versus an entire staff of seven is hard to be, in my opinion. Yeah, it really, it, it forces you to see, uh, I guess, to give your opponent a lot of looks to the same pitcher, as dominant yeah. as she really is. They're getting a chance to see her over and over again, whereas Florida State can throw anything at you at any time, and they were able to, like, you know, Cat gave you the complete game on on Thursday, the second game of the doubleheader, but, you know, you only saw her for seven outs on on the first game in Thursday. You only yeah. see her for a handful at the end of the game on Saturday or Friday. You know, you can keep the opponents off guard versus as great as Valerie is, you get to see her a lot. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I mean, overall, serious uh, thoughts there. Obviously, Florida State now likely going to jump up a little bit more in these rankings here. Um, man, I remember <laughs> our first episode or second episode being in the comments and and uh you know people were saying i don't know how you guys can talk about this team as a college world series contender and i'm not seeing it and it's not there and it's you know it's patience give it time they're playing for the end of the year and um i think this this two-week stretch shows just how good this team really is yeah and like i said earlier like this is the time when you want to be playing your best like clutch softball and that's what they're doing and with this sweep over clemson florida state now is first in the acc so yeah flexing the muscle on top of a a great conference 
Yeah. And, you know, they've got a lot of good teams in this conference and they're sitting atop it again, where quite frankly, they probably should be. Uh, looking ahead, and I, I won't even bother Jacksonville on Wednesday. Do you have any thoughts? No. Great. Got it. Uh, well, I actually have a little a tidbit about Oh, look at that. I know. So Jacksonville has a player. Her name is Madison Kennedy. In 2018, she was a Florida State softball player who won the national championship and has been with Jacksonville for the past four years. She transferred after that year. So Madison Kennedy returned to Tallahassee. Well, shout out Madison for staying in Jacksonville that long. Um, that's a <laughs> that didn't even mean that as a as a slight to Jacksonville, but I just did it. Uh, my apologies to the people of Jacksonville. That was not a slight there at all. Never been. Would love to come to your wonderful city. Uh, Friday through Sunday, it's Virginia in Tallahassee. Anything Virginia wise that interests you there? Um, I like Virginia. I've kind of always liked Virginia ever since I saw them last year. I think they kind of gave us a, a little bit of a fight last year when we were up in Charlottesville. Um, and I think they're even better this year. They have a really great freshman, Eden Bigham, who's a pitcher. Uh, they actually took one game from Virginia Tech this last weekend for the Commonwealth Clash, and they took it in extra innings. Um, Virginia Tech is another topic for another day because they're a little bit rocky. But, I mean, Virginia beating Virginia Tech, I don't know when they did that last. So I'm I'm, I'm impressed with the, with Virginia. So, Well, I was going to jump straight to Virginia Tech after that, but because okay. last time I got cut off by the uh, I have opinions on the midweek at Stetson on Tuesday. No thoughts. They have a okay. really good, they do have a good uh, pitching staff. Uh, they're, I believe their ace beat Georgia and their one B is a freshman who's honestly outstanding in my opinion. I also like the willingness to go to Stetson. I, I like that yeah. for, the, for a midweek game. I like it. Uh, following weekend, you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Virginia Tech, Thursday on ESPN 2. Another fun one of those. I just did that at Clemson. I like that on ESPN 2. And then Saturday on the ACC Network. Uh, thoughts on Virginia Tech. You gave us a little bit there in the uh, Virginia preview. So how about VT? Yeah, so Virginia Tech, they're not obviously not as good as they were last year. They don't have Keely Rochard anymore, um, but they do have Emma Lemley, who is good. She is honestly the overall ace on the staff, um, but the numbers are really elevated for their pitching staff. Emma Lemley is at 2.44, not where you want her to be at all. And then behind her, I believe Lindsay Grine is a freshman. She has a 3.72, but I will say that with their elevated pitching numbers, they do not have a pitching coach right now because a couple of days ago, Virginia Tech Sports put out a statement saying their pitching coach was no longer on staff, but he hasn't been on staff the entire year. I have no idea what's going on there, but that could possibly have the answer to why Virginia Tech pitching numbers are up for this year. Hmm. Okay, well, stay tuned. We'll keep an eye on that story as uh, I'm sure something will eventually uh come out on what's going on there uh but definitely the i guess which series do you think is more interesting between virginia or virginia tech a little of both yeah i would say so for different reasons just because virginia tech is a little bit down but virginia's a little bit up so yeah i think you'd expect virginia tech but uh with virginia up you get that one at home though so that's i guess yeah. positive and then you go to the blacksburg uh okay gwen how about that what a transition i didn't do that on purpose uh okay gwen we ask gwen questions you follow her on twitter it's at okay gwen okay gwen g w y n uh first question coming courtesy of jim rhodes your dad uh <laughs> of the remaining teams um i want to do this one first my bad any conf any concern of an emotional letdown coming off this weekend you kind of said it yourself they're kind of riding a high uh fan base and uh team team together any concern of a letdown going forward 
Um, I don't think so. I would say yes, if we didn't have a midweek. Um, I think Jacksonville, you know, if we're not prepared, could, you know, scare us a little bit, but I'm not entirely worried. Um, and I would say there would be a little bit more of a scare if we didn't have a midweek because you're just having like that entire week, you know, between games um, to have a Virginia team who's a little bit red hot um, after a win against Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech still took the series, but I mean, Virginia is probably feeling just as good about themselves. So I know I it's think- not, I know it's not OK, Brian, but I had the same thought. The midweek game, I think, is the big, big changer there instead of having the long weekend break uh, holiday for many into uh, you know, a, a red hot Virginia team, you get a midweek game to just kind of, all right, let's settle in, take another day off. And then you're coming right back at it. Yeah. Uh, great. Next one for okay. Gwen comes from at Brent eight, eight, three, two, zero, four, zero, six. Do you expect McKenna Reed will be the second day starter going forward? I don't think like, she, I mean, she may get a start here and there and maybe, at Virginia Tech, maybe a start. Um, I don't expect her to be the second day starter. I think having a start um, in an uncomfortable position at Clemson, which is exactly what coaches said she wanted to do with McKenna, was put her in an uncomfortable position. Um, and McKenna showed that she can be a starter. Um, maybe we'll see a starter two here or there, maybe ACC tournament, maybe regionals, but I don't think she'll be necessarily the second day starter starting in Virginia. Yeah, I think it's it was, like you said, a thing where you're putting her in a comfortable position, making her kind of do it just to have that in your back pocket. But also, it's something that Virginia and Virginia Tech have to prepare for the possibility of, right? It, it's yeah. also something that goes now on their scouting report. They've got to look at it and go, well, it'll probably be Cat, but, you know, maybe it's this other part. You know, it's another thing for those college kids to have to prepare for. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last one on the OK Gwen segment. Of the remaining teams on the conference schedule, who poses the biggest threat to FSU? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, I feel like we're always inclined to say Florida, but I'm just not impressed with Florida this year. I mean, they're always Florida, and the UF-FSU rivalry is always what it is, so maybe. Um, but I'm just not that impressed with Florida this year. They're tallying up errors left and right. They just lost a series to South Carolina, which in my opinion, truly cannot do, especially if you're the Florida Gators, but outside of Skylar Wallace in Florida, I'm, I'm not entirely impressed with Florida. So I don't know them. I'll go 50, 50 on that answer. Um, the other two series are Notre Dame and Louisville. Yeah. Notre Dame. 
I just, I, I feel like Notre Dame is always a wishy-washy team. Um, they can never be good when they need to be good. Um, but Louisville is a little bit hotter right now. So maybe Louisville is, as the answer I'll go with. I mean, Louisville is one of the better teams in the ACC right now. They play them March 5th, 6th, and 7th in Tallahassee, the final weekend series of, uh, I guess, regular season play before the ACC tournament, which is also in Notre Dame, which is nice. You get a little trip to Notre Dame before you go there for the ACC tournament. So get a, a, a little feel for how things work up there. So that's good for them. Uh, another thing I think off topic wise uh, that I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on was the women's final four. Uh, obviously it's not very Florida state related, but as you've come to gather the idea around here, we're, we're venture out. We like, we support women's sports, the growth of women's sports. And that's what we're here to do. Uh, how about that final four? Huh? Uh, first game I, I think of the final four was LSU beating Virginia tech, which had uh back and forth swings where LSU was up big, Virginia tech went up big. Uh, and then LSU battled back there in the fourth. And then uh, Iowa and Caitlin Clark beating Leah Boston in South Carolina, who has been just the best program in uh, yeah. women's college basketball for two years now. I thought both of those games were spectacular. Yeah, I thought so too. And then going into the uh, LSU-Iowa National Championship, I, I couldn't decide on who I wanted to win um, because I love Caitlin Clark and I think Angel Reese is absolutely crazy right now. Um, but I'm glad it was Angel Reese. Oh, look at you kissing up, huh? That's me, and the, LSU, <laughs> the LSU guy over here. Um, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't believe uh, Iowa beating South Carolina. The amount of size that South Carolina had on Iowa was hard to to really understand. I mean, they yeah. were just so much bigger, but I, Iowa just put four or five people in front of their bigs all the, and just said, shoot it, I don't care. And it, and it worked. I mean, I guess hats off to them, but... I just didn't think even if even on missed shots, I thought South Carolina's size was going to be big enough to work out there. Yeah. And I think um, obviously you have to you it's hard not to compare the women's final four and the national championship to the men's side of it. And just the entire time, like the last four or five games for the women's tournament, it was heads and tails above the men's, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought the men's tournament was OK. Um, you know, FAU was a very underrated team all year. They they were among the the top rated teams in efficiency all year. And, um, you know, it, it's not a name that brings people in, neither is San Diego State. But yeah. uh, they were two teams that just played solid basketball. Miami could have lost to Drake in the first round. And honestly, it just ended up being where UConn was just head and shoulders better than everyone. They had one lull in their season where everyone kind of buried them, but they were great outside of like that one month stretch. Did you see that Angel Reese's cousin is a UConn basketball player? No, look at that. So two natties in the family. <laughs> Uh, that title game was, um, yeah, interesting. I, I like Caitlin Clark, but I, do I don't care for the way she plays. And I don't mean in the, you know, trash talking and, and those sorts of things. Um, sometimes, man, I know she's a great shooter, but sometimes it's just off balance, heaved 10 yards behind the three point line. Uh, it's a little too inefficient, but I mean, I she's mean, a great shooter. She's the best shooter out there. But, you know, you look yeah. up and you're like, I'm like, she's seven for 21 from three. Just slow down a little. So, so, but that's what that's that's how they got there. So I understand why they don't. Effectively wild in some sorts. Yeah, right. It kind of feels like um, like very early Steph Curry, where it was like, man, this dude's just flinging it. And then at one point you're like, yeah. oh, he's just going to make them all. Um, you know, I think it's that kind of feel where you're kind of surprised, like, oh, man, if it's not falling, it just looks really inefficient. Um, and. <laughs> 
at the end of the day, it ended up just being LSU's efficiency inside that really – well, I mean, the first half, they just shot unconscious. I mean, I think they yeah. made like a dozen threes. But it was no, it no. was the ref show for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it was – and where I struggle is every sport we watch between – and everyone's like, oh, I see, this is going to ruin women's basketball. The officiating is terrible. But, I mean, we talk about the Super Bowl and everything – the, the main topic from the Super Bowl is like, hey, how about that pass interference on the Eagles there? Really ruined the game, huh? And I think it's just sports in general are either yeah. too fast for refs to keep up with or the yeah. refs just aren't being trained well. I just feel like maybe it's just too, everything's moving too fast. Yeah. And I think we can relate this to softball a little bit because like, you know, the umpires in softball, like they're asked to do a lot, especially like the home plate umpire. You got to look for a legal pitch. You got to look for balls and strikes. You got to look for runners being out of the box, all this stuff. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe we're just putting too much on referees these days. I don't know. Well, and I mean, you know, in softball versus baseball too. I mean, in baseball, a lot of times you're in softball, you're running three man crews yeah. um, or three person crews where, where you're having to just rotate bases, right? If there's a play at third, maybe the, the home plate umpire is sliding over to third, the first base umpire is sliding to home in softball. It's so it's, it's tight. If there's a hesitation from one of the umpires, you're not getting there. You're not yeah. getting a good look. Yeah, I agree. So I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a, uh, a very interesting women's final four. I thought it was great. The The viewership was, was sky high, almost 10 million viewers on that title game. Um, obviously congrats to my school for winning the championship. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I all around a, a, a fun final four. And I think you can kind of see women's sports really growing. I mean, women, obviously the, the huge viewing numbers there, but I mean, I, I'm willing to say there's going to be huge viewer numbers for the Oklahoma city women's college, college world series. Yeah. Um, and talking about that, Oklahoma and Texas played the first game of the Red River rivalry at the Women's College World Series Stadium in Oklahoma, and it like shattered regular season numbers. 9,000 people uh, went to that game. Of course, it was probably an Oklahoma crowd because they did like <laughs> one section cream, one section crimson, like throughout the entire stadium. But I mean, 9,000 people for a regular season game is insane. And I'm just I'm just so happy to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can feel softball really growing, and, and yeah. I think that's that's great. And you can see the um, the funding going forward. And, and I know I, to bring it back all the way to our to our interview with uh, Michael Alford from a few weeks ago on the the other podcast. But he was quick to say, you know, women's sports are growing, and then among his favorites to watch on campus are the softball team and the the beach volleyball team. And you know, you can see you put money behind it, people will show up and watch it if you support it, you know, somewhere to build it and they will come kind of thing. Yeah. And with Clemson this weekend, like I think every single game of this series was sold out. Um, And over the off season, Clemson like extended that outfield burn, which they appropriately called Kegel's corner. (laughs) I mean, people want to be there and people don't care if they have to sit in the outfield, like at FSU, people want to sit in the parking garage, like it's just outstanding the way the game is played and people want to show up for it. It's a fun, fast paced sport. That's, that's keeping people's attention. It feels, uh, you know, the smaller ballparks, it feels intimate. You know, it doesn't feel, we were, we went to a Rays game yesterday and I, and my complaint after the game, even with the faster paced baseball was it feels empty. It just felt like I was one of like eight people who was there and I was like, I just can't get into it, even though they're like nine and oh and like yeah. we're winning like eleven to one. I was just like, it's not, but those softball crowds, it's it's a tight ballpark. It's everyone sitting close to the field. There's a ton of energy on every pitch. It it feels fun and that's great for the sport. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, okay, Gwen. <laughs> uh, well, our next episode two weeks from now. So that's going to be April 23rd. It'll be dropping on April 24th. So be ready for that. Uh, like I said, in the meantime, it's Jacksonville on Wednesday, hosting Virginia Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at Stetson the following Tuesday, and at Virginia Tech the following Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, barring weather moving that around again. Um, so we'll have that next episode for you probably on the 23rd, uh, or definitely on the 24th, I'm sorry, so on the 24th. So appreciate you listening, appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, but for Brian and Gwen, that's a wrap. <laughs>